Are you ready? Got your Bibles with you? Let's open them, first of all, to the book of Job, chapter 5. I've mentioned to you in the last several times I've had the opportunity to speak to you that Job, chapter 5, has become one of my favorite verses, and particularly from the message translation. Job, chapter 5, verse 9, speaking of God, which doeth great things and unsearchable marvelous things without number. Let me say it again. Which doeth great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. The message translation says, he's famous for great and unexpected acts and there's no end to his surprises. I love that. Praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, my God is famous for great and unexpected acts. And there's no end to his surprises. And look at somebody and tell him, and I'm expecting surprises today. I love that about God. He's always surprising me. And as I've said before, it doesn't surprise me that he surprises me. But how he goes about doing it is always a surprise. Amen. So I'm expecting surprises, not only today, but I'm expecting surprises every day this year and beyond. Praise God. I got my faith out there. How many of you got your faith out there for surprises? Hallelujah. Look at somebody and tell them, and I will have them. Hallelujah. Amen. Notice it says unsearchable. That means too numerous to count. God does marvelous things, so many that you can't count them all. I have lived over the last 50 years an extraordinary life. And people that know me well would testify to that. I'm not just saying words, not just speaking loosely. But people that know me well would testify to that, that my life has been an extraordinary life. And it's all because of God. I'm not anything special other than the fact He loves me. That makes me special. He loves you. That makes you special. Amen. But I learned a long time ago that God is a good God and He wants to do great things in my life. Now, religion doesn't tell you that. Religion tells you that it's hard to get God to do anything. But that's not what the Bible teaches. He's a good God. He's the author of good things. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Amen? And I learned a long time ago to begin to expect extraordinary things happening in my life. Not because of who I am, but because of who He is. And then I'll add to it, and because of what he's made me, praise God. He's made us the righteousness of God. We have right standing with him. Why wouldn't God do extraordinary things if you have right standing with him? In other words, he's not mad at you, not holding anything against you, praise God. Amen? So once again, he's famous for great and unexpected acts. The word famous means widely known and esteemed. Widely known and esteemed. You know, there are a lot of people in our world today that are famous. And they're famous for certain things. And Oral Roberts was famous for preaching uh, the message of healing and miracles. God raised him up and said, take healing to your generation. Kenneth Hagin was famous for teaching faith. Amen. Thank God for men like that, that hold to what they're called to do. Kenneth Copeland's been famous for teaching the body of Christ, perhaps more than anybody else, how to operate in God's laws of prosperity. He's famous for it, praise God. And then there are other people that are famous for other things, you know. I mean, Mickey Mantle was famous for knocking it over the fence, left-handed or right-handed, either way, praise God. Amen. And uh, the Bible says that God is famous now, you become famous for doing something over and over and over and over repeatedly, and you get good at it. Amen? God is famous for doing great and unexpected things. And he's famous for surprises. Another word for marvelous things is the word extraordinary. Extraordinary. And I want to give you some definitions for extraordinary because I want to talk to you today about Faith for the extraordinary. Believe in God for extraordinary things in your life. 
God said to us this year that it would be a year of marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. But we also know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because everything God does, it's wrapped around faith. Amen. The just shall live by faith. If you're going to ex- receive anything from God, you're going to do it with faith. Amen. It's, it's difficult to experience great things from God aside from faith. Can you say amen? So we're going to talk about faith for extraordinary things. Now, let me give you several definitions here. You got something, write them down. Because I want you to begin to expect this. There's several definitions I want to give you. Extraordinary. Beyond or out of the common order or method. Beyond or out of the common order or method. Not in the usual, customary, or regular course of things. Not in the usual, customary, or regular course of things. Exceeding the common degree or measure. Remarkable, uncommon, rare, wonderful, special, highly unusual, exceptional, remarkable, far more than is expected. Hallelujah. Ephesians 3.20 says that our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Far more than we can expect. It also means over the top, outside the order. Astonishing, astounding, marvelous, sensational, stunning, phenomenal, spectacular. That's just a few definitions. I think that'll get you started, praise God. And God's been doing stuff like that for me for 50 years. When I think of some of the testimonies of extraordinary things, one in particular that I have told many, many times, it's gone around the world, and I think it's one of the most extraordinary things that God's ever done for me. And I won't take a long time to tell it because you've heard it. But um, with the first uh, jet airplane that God put in this ministry many years ago, I was in Wichita, Kansas, and I was doing a faith seminar there for three days. And um, a man came over to the meeting. I was in a hotel right across from the airport there in Wichita. And the man came over to the meeting, and it turned out he was an executive with Cessna, And Cessna Corporation is based in Wichita. So after the service, he came up to me and he said, uh, um, he introduced himself, told me who he was and so forth. And he said, "Uh, I just wanted to know if you'd like to have a VIP tour of the Cessna plant. I said, yes, sir, I would. That'd be very uh, interesting. And he said, well, I understand you, you have flown with Brother Copeland and and uh, you're believing God for airplanes in your ministry, and you've, you're flying uh, a Cessna 310 right now. And he said, uh, I'd like to take you over to the jet division. We now build a jet. I said, I've been reading about that. He said, would you like to see number one and number two? We have them in the, in the uh, building, in the hangar. I said, yes, sir, I would. And so we went over there, and we went through several divisions. Then we got to the jet division. And when he opened the hangar door, and I saw that citation sitting there. It was the most beautiful airplane I'd ever seen at that time. It just took my breath. And uh, <clears throat> he said, come on up in it. So we walked up in it, and, and uh, he said, sit back here. I sit back here, and I sit in every seat in the cabin. He said, come on up to the cockpit. So I went up to the cockpit. He said, sit on the left side. So I sat on the left side. He went over all the avionics with me and so forth. And he said, can you imagine, can you see yourself flying one of these one day, taking you to preach? I said, yes, sir, I can. He said, I believe you can as well. And he said, "Uh, I just wanted to help paint the picture for you. And I said, well, you've done that. Thank you very much. And so uh, we stepped out of the airplane. And when I stepped away from it, about 10 feet or so, I heard the Lord say, 
Do you remember Willie Taylor? I said, yes, Lord, I remember Willie Taylor. He was my best friend when I was growing up, when I was a little boy. He lived across the street from me. He said, do you remember Willie's mother? I said, oh, yes, Lord, I'll never forget Willie's mother. He said, do you remember how she called him when it was time for him to come home when you guys were out playing? I said, I'll never forget that either. Now, Willie's mother was about four foot eight, if that tall. But that woman could shout louder than anybody I'd ever heard in my life. Her lungs must have been four foot nine. But when it was time for Willie to come home, now we lived out in the country and we'd be off in the woods and we'd be off swimming, you know, and fishing and so forth. And Willie's mother would stand on the back porch and cup her hands over her mouth. And when it was time for him to come home, she would do this. Willie! And Lee would go through the trees, go through the woods. I mean, that woman could shout. And when Willie heard it, the rule at his house was, his mother better see him heading toward the house before she got through with a Lee. I don't care what Willie was doing. He'd jump and run as fast as he could because he knew if he didn't, if he wasn't in sight before she got through shouting his name, then he'd get a whooping. Now, whooping is worse than a whipping. Okay. We don't get whippings in the South. We get whoopings. And uh, he knew the rule. And so uh, I'm standing there in this hangar and the Lord's reminding me of all this. And this executive is standing there next to me. I just, I just froze. Now I'm not, I'm not talking out loud. It's spirit to spirit. And I'm just listening to this. I said, yes, Lord, I remember how Willie's mama called him. He said, then you turn around and point to that airplane. And you call it into your ministry like Willie's mama called him home. Now, there are mechanics. There are people working there. This executive is standing next to me. And so I just stood there and cupped my hands. I said, in the name of Jesus, citation, you come into my ministry. And from this day forward, your name is Willie. Willie, come on home. Then I turned around and I said, we can go now. And so we walked out and we went to his car. And we sat down in the car and he was going to take me back to the hotel. He got ready to turn the ignition on and he stopped me and said, do you mind if I ask you what that was all about? <laughs> I said, I told him the story. He said, well, that's interesting. So you're calling a citation into your ministry. I said, yes, sir, I am. That's what the Lord told me to do. The Bible says in Romans 4, God calleth things that be not as though they were. I mean, that's a basic element of faith, you know. And so uh, we left it at that. Now, when I got home, uh, I was with Brother Copeland a few days later. and I told him about that experience. And I told him, me standing there in that hangar and calling that airplane Willie and commanding Willie to come home, come to my ministry. And so, you know, I knew Brother Copeland wouldn't say, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard, Savelle. No, he said, I set myself in agreement with it. Willie, you come home, you know. And so over a period of time, <clears throat> the Lord had blessed me with several different airplanes. Every time I'd outgrow one, I'd sow it into another ministry and the Lord would bless me with something bigger and better. And then 20 years later, 20 years later, I got blessed with a citation. And it turned out to be the very citation that I pointed to in that hangar 20 years before. Amen. It was citation number one, the first one ever built. And that's the one I pointed at and called it Willie and commanded it to come into my ministry. I flew Willie for 12 years, and it was a great airplane. In fact, the Smithsonian Institute wanted me to donate it uh, because it was the first one ever built. Uh, sometimes we'd fly somewhere, and uh, they were having aviation air shows, and they'd find out my plane was the first Citation ever built. They'd want me to put it in the show. It was a great blessing. Amen. Now, what are the odds 
of somebody standing in a hangar 20 years before, pointing to an airplane, calling it into your ministry, and 20 years later, the very airplane manifests in your ministry. I'd call that extraordinary, wouldn't you? Look at your neighbor and say, that is extraordinary. Amen. Praise God. Now, that's just one of the extraordinary things God has done. I could give you stories all day long, but let me say this. Aside from faith, I wouldn't have the stories. I said, aside from faith, I wouldn't have the stories because faith makes it happen. Can you say amen? Give the Lord a shout if you receive that. Praise God. Now, I won't go over those definitions again, but just keep them handy and begin to decree them on a daily basis that these kind of things are going to start happening in your life. If they haven't, they're going to start. If they have, they're going to, you're going to experience them more and more. Amen. I'm not done now. After 50 years, I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, putting my faith aside and say, well, I've experienced enough. Now I'm going to a higher level. We sing about it this morning, higher and higher. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Praise God. Now, another word, once again, for the word marvelous, he does marvelous things without number, is the word extraordinary. And I gave you the definitions for that. Psalm 77 verse 14 says, Thou art the God that doeth wonders. Wonders is also another word for extraordinary. He's the God that doeth wonders. Notice it didn't say, And there are some scriptures that talk about what he's done in the past. But here it didn't say he's the God that did wonders. He's the God that doeth wonders. So that means that he not only did them in the past, he's still doing them. Amen. Say, my God is the wonder working God. The message translation says, you're the God who makes things happen. You're the God who makes things happen. I love that. Amen. Now, the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verse 27 says, He worketh signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Amen. He works signs and wonders, extraordinary things. He not only does them in heaven, but He does them in the earth. The message translation says, Astonishing miracles. And then Psalm 40, verse 5, Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. Now that's talking about past tense. But remember Psalm 77, thou art the God that doeth wonders. So that means present and beyond. Now the message translation says, nothing and no one comes close to you. I start talking about you, telling what I know, and quickly run out of words. That's how amazing our God is. So if he's done wonders and marvels and extraordinary things in the past, so many that you can't even count, then do you suppose he still wants to do them for us today? Amen. Amen. I believe he does. Now, why are more believers experiencing more extraordinary things? Well, I believe one of the reasons is James chapter 4 verse 2. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. Perhaps we should pray the prayer that the early disciples prayed in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4 verse 30. That signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. That's the prayer they prayed. And if you keep reading the next few chapters, you'll find out that signs and wonders were wrought continually. Why? Because they asked for it. They asked for it. How many of you are actually asking God for signs and wonders and marvels and extraordinary manifestations of his greatness? Amen. You know, it just doesn't happen without uh, communication with God. It doesn't happen without exercising your faith in him and in his word. Some people think, and I believe this is major deception. Well, if God wants to do extraordinary things in my life, he'll just do it. That's wrong. That's wrong thinking, and that's deception. Amen? It's not a question if God wants to. He wants to, but he's not going to do it apart from 
what he's put in his word. He's not going to violate his own word. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, what things soever you desire when you pray. Amen. Pray. Bible says from Jesus as well, men ought always to pray and not to faint. So prayer, prayer is a vital part of your walk with God, a vital part of you experiencing uh, the things of God. Can you say amen? So it doesn't just happen. Now, the message translation says for Acts 4.30, stretch out your hand to us in healings, miracles, and wonders. That's the prayer they prayed. Stretch out your hand to us in healings, miracles, wonders, and you could add extraordinary things. And then dare to believe that you receive when you pray. Can you say amen? Now, once again, I'm talking about faith for extraordinary things. As, as I have traveled over the years. Now, when I first started 50 years ago, the message of faith was not well known. There were not many men or women who were teaching the message of faith in those early days. There were a handful. And uh, Kenneth Copeland came into it in 1967. Uh, Brother Hagen has been known as, uh, some people refer to him as the father of faith for our generation, you know, father of the faith message, you, you could say, or Roberts taught faith, T.L. Osborne taught faith, but we're talking about a handful of people. When I first started, the term word of faith church didn't even exist. There was no such term. And uh, when Brother Copeland came to Shreveport, Louisiana, where Carol and I grew up, and uh, uh, preached the message of faith in 1969, the first time I heard it, I'd never heard anything like it. And yet, even though I had never heard anything like it, I knew it was true. And I, I got, I mean, I grabbed hold of it with everything in me. Not a whole lot of people did. Now, there was a church full of people who heard the same message that I heard, that Carolyn heard, but the whole church didn't receive it. In fact, some of them, Fought it. It went cross grain with their religious tradition. But I didn't have any religious tradition. So, so you know, I didn't have any reason to doubt it or, or fight it. I received it. In fact, I thought it was the best thing I'd ever heard in my life. Amen. And so, uh, Brother Copeland would preach the message of faith. And, and uh, back then, they would record on reel to reel tape. I got my hands on all those messages that he preached there in Shreveport and began to study them day and night. And then he kept talking about this Kenneth Hagin. So I, I got material from Kenneth Hagin, listened to it day and night. Brother Hagin had a handful of books. Brother Copeland didn't have any back then. And I'd get those books and study faith. And then Oral Roberts uh, would, would announce on his television broadcast, he had a new book on the subject of faith. And he'd say, if you write to me, and ask for it, I'll send it to you free. I'd say, Carolyn, here's one we can afford. Order it. As <laughs> soon as I'd get it, I'd, I would consume it. I'd read it over and over and over and over again. And then it became a part of my life. You know, at first it was me quoting what they said, but then eventually it became my revelation, praise God. And now from time to time, I'm getting opportunities to share. Back then we did home Bible studies. People would open up their homes and uh, they'd move all the furniture against the walls and put chairs in the middle and, and uh, someone would sit and teach everybody that would come. And, and I was being invited to come and teach on the subject of faith. And the more I taught it, the bigger it got on the inside of me. And it was working for us. Now, we didn't, get, we didn't see everything we were believing for manifest overnight, but it was working, praise God, you know. Uh, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. I loved, I loved it when the blade came up, hallelujah, because I knew I was on the right track. And eventually, you know, uh, Brother Copeland uh, had heard from the Lord about me coming and, and, and being a part of his team. And uh, he and I traveling together, and so we moved to Fort Worth. And that put me with him everywhere he went. He went nowhere without Jerry Savelle. And he, he did, uh, when I first came... The meetings would last about three weeks, you know, three services a day for three weeks. Now I'm sitting there listening 
three times a day to messages on faith. Amen. And as soon as he would get through preaching them, I'd take the, the uh, recording of it to my hotel room and I'd run copies off so that people in the meeting, if they wanted a copy of it, they could purchase a copy of it. So it meant I heard the message the first time he preached it and I heard it in my room another time. If somebody else ordered it, if, if there was three people ordered a message, a copy of the message, I listened to it three different times. You can only run one copy at a time, you know. And so I'd hear it over and over and over. Sometimes I didn't even go to bed. By the time I got through copying the message, it's time to get up the next morning to go to the next service. I'd be up all night listening to the same message over and over and over. What's the Bible say? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. So I'm hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and I'm doing it. I'm acting on it. And I had the privilege of having someone who knew more about it than me show me how to do it. Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. They were living it. Carolyn and I were following the example. And praise God, eventually we were getting the same results that they got. Amen. Now, you know, by the time I launched out into this ministry, I'm being invited to come all over the country and teach on the subject of faith. And, and even then, uh, by 1973-74, it's still relatively an obscure message. And, and the reason the Lord told me to leave Brother Copeland was he said, I, I want to enable the team to cover twice as much territory with the same message. And so I launched out, and Brother Copeland went this way, and I went that way, and we're both teaching on the subject of faith everywhere we went. But then, over a period of time, people began to grab hold of it. Next thing you know, about 1976 was the first time I ever heard the term Word of Faith Church. And you know where I heard it? I started one. <laughs> Amen. Right here in Fort Worth. We called it Overcoming Faith Center. And uh, uh, people started coming from all over to hear the word of faith. In fact, the Lord told me, he said, you don't go to the people and ask them for a place to preach. You provide for the people a place where they can hear the word of faith consistently. consistently. And so that's what we did. And, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, man, the message of faith, it was catching on all over the world. It was exciting. Believers Convention started. And boy, when they first started, I'll tell you, people, they'd sit outside waiting for that auditorium to open. I mean, sometimes two hours before. The, in Anaheim, particularly, I always had a room right above the convention center. I could see the convention center, the front door of the convention center from my room. And I'm an early riser. I'd get up and, and I'd go look out the window and there'd be people lined up, sitting out there on the grass, you know, waiting for those doors to open. And when they finally opened, you had to pray for the ushers because, brother, I want you to know, it was a mad dash to the front row. People were so hungry to hear the word of faith. But then over a period of time, I didn't see quite the hunger. People started looking for something else, something that would tickle their ears. Winds of doctrine, Paul calls it in Ephesians. And even today, even today, there are not as many hungry people for the word of faith as there was back in the 70s. But I believe that's about to change. Amen. Amen. And the reason I say that is because people are finally realizing all this other stuff doesn't work. Amen. I mean, you know, uh, this is, this is, this is, uh, this is where it all counts. You know, when your babies are dying, when your husband's dying, when your wife's dying, when, when you can't meet your obligations, the economy's bad, you go try religion and see if it'll work for you. You go try something that sounds good, but is not quite accurate. See if it works for you. No, what you are going to discover is it takes the word of faith to change things. Amen. It takes the word of faith to overcome. Now, I, I'm criticized for still teaching the word of faith. 
in some circles, I'm an outcast. In fact, some of them don't want to hear me anymore because they know that's what I'm going to preach. Mama told me to interrupt you. Well, if Mama told me to interrupt you. Read that. I just saw. Couldn't you read it for me? Yeah. Um, this is Second Timothy. I just saw this this week. It says, you're going to find that there will be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching, but will fill up on spiritual junk food. Catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They'll turn their backs on truth and chase mirages. That's exactly what's happening. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly what's happening. But... I'm old school. When I find something that works, I don't change. Amen. I don't change. You know, I, I preach for a lot of the fathers who started these churches years ago. Now they've turned them over to their sons. And many of them, they don't want to hear us anymore. We're not relative. We're not, we're not in the in crowd. And I am not wearing tight jeans. <laughs> My legs are too skinny for tight jeans. Look at that. Isn't that pitiful? And I'm not wearing holy jeans. I got delivered of holes in my jeans a long time ago. I'm not going back to it. I'm not going to wear my shirt tail out. I'm not going to spike my hair. I'm going to preach the word. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach the word. Now... I'm not trying to be critical of those who go for all that. But at the same time, and I'll say it just as nicely as I can, when all hell breaks loose, your tight jeans is not going to get you over. You better have some word on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. But I've noticed that even though I'm not being asked to come to those kind of churches, I can't get to all the places that do ask me to come. It hadn't hurt my ministry at all. (laughs) Not at all. Amen. And I believe we're finally coming to a place to where people want stability. Amen. Longevity. They want to hear people that have been doing it for a long time, have never changed, and it's still working for them. Not everybody's that way yet, but it's going to get that way. Can you say amen? Amen. So for this purpose, I was really impressed with the Lord this week to teach you like you've never heard anything about faith. And some of you haven't. Some of you, you're so new to this that you haven't even learned the basics yet. And so I want to talk to you about the basics of faith and how to apply them for extraordinary things in your life. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith. Faith, please understand, is not a movement. It's not a fad. It's not just a popular message or unpopular message. It's a lifestyle. And it's the lifestyle that God has chosen 
for his people to live. And it's actually not a recommendation or a suggestion. It is a command. The just shall live by faith. Look at your neighbor and say, are you one of the just? Then point your finger at him and say nicely, you shall live by faith. <laughs> Amen. Now, Hebrews 11.1 1 from the message translation says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's the firm foundation for everything that God wants you to experience that will cause your life to be a life worth living. How many of you want a life worth living? And then the Bible tells us in the latter part of that verse that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So notice God rewards people that continue to live by faith and endeavor to please him in doing so. I'll remind you the prophetic word this year. It's about marvels and wonders and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. But let me also remind you of an important principle. We've talked about it before. That is found in Hebrews chapter 4. Go with me to Hebrews 4. Verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Notice the Bible says that even though they heard the message, it did not profit them because they didn't mix faith with it when they heard it. How do you mix faith with what you hear? The, the elementary way is simply saying, I receive that. I receive that. Amen. Amen. Every time uh, someone that I know that hears God and, 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 and I know they, they know his voice has prophesied over me, then the first thing I say, even though sometimes it was beyond what my mind could grasp, it was so big. It was beyond what my mind could grasp. The moment they got through, I would say with hands lifted, I receive that. I receive that. Amen. And I kept holding on to it until it came to pass. Amen. So even if marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of God is something you've never experienced, say by faith, I receive that. And if it is something you've experienced, then say by faith, I receive greater manifestations of it in the days to come. Can you say amen? amen. But don't just sit there. Come on. Don't just sit there and say, wasn't that a good little sermon the little preacher gave us? No, don't just sit there. Mix faith with it. You know, most people, they'll just sit there and mix doubt and unbelief with it. Well, if you can mix doubt and unbelief with it, why can't you mix faith with it? I choose to mix faith with it. Amen. And notice it says it did not profit them. Uh, the message translation says it didn't do them a bit of good because they didn't receive the promise with faith. And the Amplified says it did not benefit them. Why? Because they didn't mix faith with it. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. So I want you to experience extraordinary things. I'm experiencing them, praise God. God's no respecter of persons, but he does respond to faith. Luke chapter 5. I'm breaking in this new Bible. The pages are sticking together. And look at verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Underline that phrase. Notice, while he was teaching, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Heal them who? Them doctors of the law, them Pharisees, 
and, and all those religious people that were sitting there hearing what he said. Now, if you keep reading this, I dare you to find one of them that was healed. Not one of them. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. But it doesn't record not one person in that group that got healed. Why not? Well, perhaps they weren't mixing faith with the word preached. In fact, we know they weren't. They weren't there to receive his message. They were there to try to trap him somehow. These are religious people, doctors of the law. They didn't, he didn't fit into their group. So they're not mixing faith with what he was preaching. And as a result of it, it didn't benefit one of them. That tells me that people can be sitting in a service just like this, hearing the prophetic word, hearing the word preached and walk right out of here and it not benefit you. And the primary reason is because you didn't mix faith with it. Amen. Why would you even come to a service if you're not going to mix faith with what you hear? Don't you want change in your life? Don't you want God to do something in your life? Well, sure we do. Amen. And so if you study this, you'll notice not one of those religious people received the power of the Lord that was present. Now, there was somebody that was healed, but it wasn't one of them. It was an outsider. It was somebody that some friends brought in, tore the roof off, lowered him down in the presence of Jesus. See, their faith was in action. In fact, Jesus, the Bible even says when Jesus saw their faith. Notice he saw their faith. And this man was healed. He was made whole. Why? Because they mixed faith with the message preached. If you mix faith with the word preached, then it's going to profit you. It's going to benefit you. It's going to do you a lot of good. Can you say amen? amen? And give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Praise God. Now, let's go to the book of Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. Now, here is an example. Beginning in verse 7, Paul is preaching in this particular city, Lystra. And there they preach the gospel. Were they preaching? The gospel. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. Notice the difference teaching to a group of people who did not mix faith with anything Jesus said, and it didn't benefit them. Teaching to a group of people and a man who was crippled from his mother's womb, heard Paul preach, mixed his faith with what he heard, and he was healed instantly, praise God. Notice the difference. If you don't mix faith with what is preached, then it won't benefit you. If you do mix faith with what is preached, even if it doesn't manifest immediately, it will in time. Amen. It will come to pass. Can you say amen? amen? So this is a important element where hearing the word is concerned. Amen. Jesus taught in Mark chapter four that there are different types of soil. Our heart is the soil. And, and, if, and if your heart is good ground and you receive it, the word preached, then Jesus said it has the potential of producing 30, 60, and 100 fold. Amen. It will produce in your life. Amen. So say again, I receive the prophetic word in Jesus' name. Marvels, wonders, extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of my God will happen to me this year and beyond in Jesus' name. And give him a good shout. And thank you for it. Amen. Now let's go to Mark the 11th chapter. 
Mark, the 11th chapter, we're talking about faith for the extraordinary. You can't talk about faith without going to Mark, the 11th chapter. Verse 22, Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. There are other translations that say, have the faith of God. And still another translation says, have the God kind of faith. And then he begins to illustrate how the God kind of faith operates. Look at verse 23. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now two very basic elements of releasing God kind of faith. Number one, saying. Number two, believing. Number one, saying. And number two, believing. Now, over the years, I've heard people say, I don't believe me saying it has anything to do with it. Well, Jesus said it did. And if I got to pick which one's not telling the truth, you're it. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, if you believe those things which you saith shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you saith. So that is basic faith 101. Faith speaks, faith believes. If you don't ever speak about marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations, it's not likely you'll ever experience them. Amen. You have to talk them. Why? Because it is a proven fact. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever is in your heart in abundance, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. You can't help it. That's the reason people that, that use profanity all the time. When you, when you say, do you have to talk like that? They say, what are you talking about? We experienced that in, in Babe's restaurant over here in Burleson one time. Where uh, 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 we, we were there with some friends and having, you know, dinner. And the tables are real close together and everything. It's family style, you know. And, and there was a, 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 two couples came in. They sat right behind us. And the moment that one couple sat down, the man, he could not say three words without profanity. It was damn, hell, you know, he couldn't talk without it coming out of him. And he eventually, everybody in the restaurant's looking at him. You know, he can, you can hear it. You're sitting so close. And finally, it was embarrassing to his wife the way everybody's looking at her husband. And she said, do you have to talk like that? You can't say three words without cussing. He said, that's a damn lie. <laughs> she said, see there? You can't say three words without cussing. He said it so much, he didn't even realize it was coming out of his mouth. Amen. And finally, she got up and started to walk off. And he said, well, what the hell did I do? That's the way he talked all the time. Why? Because that's what was in his heart in abundance. Amen. You can't help it. If you're full of negative speech, that's what's going to come out. If you're full of sickness, disease, poverty, lack, and want, that's what's going to come out. You, you get in a crowd where people are talking the word, and, 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 if, and if you have an opportunity to say something, it's going to come out negative because that's what you're full of. Amen. So one of the things that's important about learning to operate in the God kind of faith, you have to renew your mind. You have to reprogram your spirit. You have to replace what you've been taught to say, what you've been raised up saying with the word of God. Now, Carolyn, I didn't know these things when we first heard them from Brother Copeland, but when we first heard them, we realized 
In fact, Brother Copeland said to me, Jerry, your problem is your big mouth. <laughs> now, that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to slap him. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm probably the only person in this church that likes you, and you just, you just insulted me. <laughs> but he was right. I, I, was, I was still talking doubt and unbelief. And then he said, and you need to learn the vocabulary of silence. And then just turned around and walked off. And I thought, what in the world is the vocabulary of silence? I never heard such a phrase. And then later he asked me, he said, did you understand what I told you earlier today? I said, no, I don't understand the vocabulary of silence. What is that? He said, if you can't talk the word, shut up. I said, I understand that. <laughs> and I've said over the years, one of the greatest investments that most Christians could make is a roll of duct tape and just keep a piece on your mouth if you can't talk the word. Amen. So notice here, Jesus said, what things, uh, what, whatsoever, whosoever shall say under this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So once again, the basic principles of releasing the God kind of faith. Saying, believing. Saying, believing. When I talk, marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestation of the greatness of God, I believe it. I believe I'm going to see them. I'm not hoping for it. I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, you know, just playing games. If I say it, then I believe it's going to come to pass. And I'm going to hold fast to it until it does come to pass. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, these are just basic elements of the God kind of faith, releasing the God kind of faith. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4.13, Paul said, and he's quoting David, I believed, therefore have I spoken. You're going to talk what you believe. Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Amen. Now, a lot of people have the idea, in particular a lot of Christians today. Well, I really don't have to do anything. If it's God's will, it'll just happen. Well, what are you going to do with Hebrews chapter 10, 35 and 36? Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. It's talking about you. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence or your faith which hath great recompense and reward. For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So notice there are two parts to what you do in this verse. Refuse to cast away your faith. And number two, remain patient. Or in other words, refuse to give up. That's something you do. Amen. Refuse to cast away your faith. And then number two, remain patient. Or in other words, refuse to give up. What's God's part? He will cause the promise to come to pass. He's not going to do your part. Your part is to hold fast to your faith. Regardless of how impossible it may seem, don't ever cast away your faith. Praise God. Keep talking what you believe. Keep holding fast to what you believe. And keep trusting God to make it happen. And He will bring it to pass. Can you say amen? Your thoughts... Your behavior, your actions create specific effects that will manifest and create your life as you know it. That's commonly referred to as the law of cause and effect. Cause and effect. Which means every effect, for every effect, there is a definite cause. Likewise, for every cause, there is a definite effect. In other words, things don't just happen. There are laws that govern our lives. And one of them is the law of cause and effect. You keep doing certain things and it's going to have effects. Good or bad, positive or negative, depending on what you're doing, what you're saying, your behavior. Listen to Proverbs 26, 2. The curse causeless shall not come. That seems, that, that is saying to us, the curse 
cannot come on a person's life if they don't create the action to open the door to it. The curse causeless shall not come. In other words, Satan does not have the ability nor the right to just bring curses on your life. He has to allow you to set it up for him. And one of the ways you set it up for him is words coming out of your mouth. Nothing ever works for me. Seem like every time I get a little bit ahead, the bottom falls out. I mean, all that negative talking, he's just sitting there just letting it build up. And then it hits. And you're thinking, well, what caused that? All that stuff you've been talking. I'm getting no response on this side. Your words have everything to do with it. You're snared by your words. You're taken captive by your words. Amen. Now, you know as well as I do, Satan is not going to blow his cover if he can help it. Somebody said, well, the other day I said I was dying and I didn't die. Well, if you did, if you said in the presence of somebody else, I feel like I'm dying and you just dropped over dead, do you think somebody might ask, did their words have anything to do with that? Well, more than likely, I'll get fired today. You go to work and get fired. And somebody says, do you think what they're saying had anything to do with that? See, Satan would blow his cover. He'll let you get away with it for a while, and then he'll set you up for the kill. And then nobody suspects that your words had anything to do with it. Come on. That's right. I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're responding I'm trying to help you here, praise God. How many of you want extraordinary things happening in your life? Carolyn and I quit talking at trash years ago. Amen. And we, we trained each other. We worked with each other to, to, to learn how to talk the word and get rid of all that negative stuff that we had been talking. Hallelujah. So once again, saying and believing. Now, I learned this 50 years ago. If I say it enough, I will eventually believe it. And if I keep believing it, it will eventually come to pass. I'll say that again. If I say it enough, I will eventually believe it. If I believe it enough, eventually it will come to pass. Now, you know, you may, you may say, if I ask you today, uh, say this with me, and I ask you to say, Marvels, wonders, extraordinary manifestation of the greatness of God is what's going to happen to me in 2019. Well, you might say that because I ask you to, but you may not believe it yet. You can walk right out that door and struggle with it and think, that's not likely to happen. But you keep saying it. I said, you keep saying it. You know, uh, I read one time where psychologists tell us that it takes anywhere between 21 and 66 days to change a behavior pattern. And depending, it depends on how aggressive a person is. Some people are more aggressive than others. But if you keep doing something that you've never done before for 21 days, or possibly between 21 and 66 days, you will change that pattern to where it becomes norm to you. Some of you still got a few days to go. (laughs) Amen. Oh, brother Jerry, 21 days? What's 21 days if it'll change your entire life? It changed my entire life. Amen. What's 66 days if it'll change your quality of life? Amen. That's like walking in there in the gymnasium and looking at all them pictures of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno on the wall and all that. And you lift weights about three times. Ah, stuff don't work. Boy, you really hung in there, didn't you? 
That's not the way they got the way they look. Amen. Days and days and days and days and days and days until they changed, you know. And, and the problem with so many people today, they want something for nothing. They want it to happen without them having to do anything. They want a comfortable religion. That's the reason so many of these mega churches are growing so rapidly. It's because they don't require anything of anybody. Not all of them, but a lot of them. They, they don't preach anything that demands change. We love you like you are. We're never going to make you mad. We're never going to upset you. We're never going to have any demands on you. Oh, people love that. Huh? People love that. Moving right along, praise the Lord. <laughs> Psalm thirty-five, twenty-seven. Let them say continually. Let them say continually. You're not going to just say it once and change a behavior pattern. Let them say continually. The message translation says over and over and over. And uh, verse 28 says from the message translation... All day, every day. <laughs> All day, every day. How many of you are actually doing that regarding marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations? Over and over and over. All day, every day. Amen. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. God says, His word will not return void. Void implies without having any effect. God says, My word will not return unto me without having an effect. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 28. He that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. Faithfully here implies with strong assurance. Amen. Strong assurance of what? That it will come to pass if you faithfully, continually speak it, praise God. So you have to ask yourself this question. How badly do I want to see extraordinary things in my life? Then ask yourself this question. How Willing am I to do what it takes to make it happen? And then finally ask yourself, and how long am I willing to keep it up? Amen. Psalm 50 verse 23, to him that ordereth his conversation aright. To him that ordereth his conversation aright. That's like a military term. In other words, you... you are taking authority over your mouth. He that ordereth his conversation aright. And then it says, will I show the salvation of God? God says, if you get your speech right, you'll start seeing things. Amen. Get your speech right, and you're going to see more of the extraordinary manifestation of God's greatness. Hallelujah. I hope I'm helping you, praise God. Psalm 91, David knew this principle. Verses two and three, I will say of the Lord. And then he goes on to say, and surely he will. Notice, I will say it first, and surely he will. I'll say it, he'll do it. I'll say it, he'll do it. Say it with me. I'll say it, God will do it. It may not happen overnight, but if you keep saying it, God will do it, hallelujah. Amen. Now, David also learned the importance of not speaking the right things. For he said in verse, uh, chapter 31, verse 22, for I said in my haste, that's what people do so much. They say in their haste, they say under pressure, they say things that they shouldn't be saying when things are not going right. They just, they just let whatever comes out of their mouth, come out of their mouth without putting a guard over their mouth. Amen. Job once said in Job 6, 24 and 25, teach me and I will hold my tongue, cause me to understand wherein I have erred. And then he said, how forcible 
are right words. So Job learned that his mouth was one of his biggest problems. He said, teach me and I'll hold my tongue. How forcible or how powerful are right words. Can you say amen? amen? And then Jesus said in Matthew 12, 37, for by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So if you read that scripture alone, if, I had, if you hadn't heard any other scripture I gave to you this morning, if you read that one alone and you still say, my words don't have anything to do with it. I'm sorry, but you're deceived. Your words have everything to do with it. So how many of you intend to develop faith for the extraordinary? Did I help you this morning doing that? Amen. Lift your hands right now and say, Lord, I fully intend to develop my faith this year to a higher level than it's ever been before. I'm not backing off. I'm not letting anybody talk me out of it. And I believe, according to the word of God, those things which I say and believe in my heart, I shall have them. In Jesus' name, I shall have marvels, wonders, extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of my God. And because I believe it, I'm going to shout in advance, hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory, glory. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah.